Hey, Kev, let's let's follow this trail over here. This looks like there might be something waiting down there. All right. Hey, wait a minute. Do you hear that? Yeah, I thought it was just me. What the heck is that? I don't know what that is. Whoa, do you smell that, too? That's unbelievable. Hey, look. What the? Hey, look, those, those branches are moving over there. What the heck is that? Holy cow, is that what I think it is? Look at that thing. It, oh my god. It's a freaking Sasquatch. Welcome to the Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters podcast. I'm your host, W.J. Sheehan. Hello, everybody, and thank you once again for joining my brother and I for what is going to be a spectacular podcast. My name is W.J. Sheehan, author of the series of books, Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters, all of which, volumes one through nine, yes, that's right, nine is now available at Amazon in paperback and ebook formats. And you can get volumes one through eight at Audible, iTunes, and Amazon as well. And do check out my latest book, How to Make Money God's Universal Principles for Wealth and Prosperity. Correction. God's Universal Laws for Wealth and Prosperity. And now, without any further ado, may I introduce you to my brother and co-host, K.J. Sheehan. Kevin, how are you? I'm doing great. How about you, Bill? Marvelous, marvelous, marvelous. Uh, I have to uh, say up front, folks, if you hear a little hum or anything in the background, I don't think you will. I have like a power equipment army going on <laughs> two two plots of land over from my house. So I don't see anything showing up, but if you do, warning, warning. <laughs> I could call in some uh Apache helicopters to take them out if you want, though. Yeah, yeah, an airstrike. <laughs> Just go out in the yard and puff some yellow smoke. <laughs> Yeah, I'll set off a signal in the woods in their backyard. Here they come. <laughs> Unbelievable. So how you doing, bro? I'm doing okay. I'm uh got a nice root canal today, so uh <laughs> You know, I, the good news is I got it done. <laughs> the bad news is the Novocaine's wearing off. Right, right, right. The good news is I got it done. The bad news is I got it done. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but uh, other than that, I'm doing great. I tell you, thank God for the uh, modern innovations we have today. Because I, I, I just can't even conceive. Uh, I remember something having something done like that, like, 40 years ago it was horrible but now yeah. i've had one done in recent days and it really wasn't much of anything no you're exactly right bill i mean i had a few of them done a long time ago and it i remember it like wild west dentistry and uh i went in today and i told the doctor i said you guys should rename this to some other name because <laughs> it's uh you know i mean they get the, i think the main difference is they get you good and numb yeah. You know, you really don't feel anything. Yeah. So it's kind of whatever they're doing, they're doing. But they're working away, they're talking to you, you know, making small talk, and you're good and numb. I mean, that's all you can ask for. Yeah. And so I think yeah. the quality of the, uh, I don't even know if they're still using Novocaine or if it's been rebranded. Yeah, whatever the drug is. Yeah, it's yeah, much better. Yeah, but also the tools, like I, I know we're talking about cryptids and other oddities, but the tools they use, like he had like a, a microscope, like a stereo microscope that he was looking into, and then the lens was looking at my tooth. Uh-huh. So pretty, you know, very sophisticated. Like it's he could see a lot better than back in the 1890s when I had my last root canal <laughs> at the OK Corral. <laughs> Ha, ha, ha.
Not to uh, mention all that dust blowing around in yeah. the tumbleweeds yeah. back then getting in my mouth. Yeah, that was to keep so. you from getting infected. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> But tonight, Bill, we have a good old-fashioned demon. Oh, no. (laughs) Actually, not not super creepy, but kind of cool, this one. And um, you had asked me last week when we were doing the podcast, and I was talking about my trip in New England, um, hey, are you going to talk about that museum that you went to? And I said, no, no, hold on, we're going to do that next. And uh, tonight, um, I, I got the, basically, I got the idea for talking about this creature, which is known as the Dover Demon, huh. from, going th- yeah, from going through Lauren Coleman's uh, fantastic International Cryptozoology Museum in Portland, Maine. Fantastic. Yeah. So have you heard of this Dover Demon? I have not, but... Uh Okay. Uh, you were talking with me briefly about Lauren's uh, museum, and that was recommended to us by Eric the Lobsterman, right? Eric the Lobsterman, fisherman from uh, the same area in Maine. And Eric, you know, not only did he recommend it, I told him, man, we are running crazy. And he was like, no, no, you got to go past Portland on your way south. It's right off of 295. You know, you got to get off and look at it. And and I thanked you already, Eric, but I'll thank you publicly. What great advice you gave me and Bill and um, Lauren Coleman, if you're listening, I know I left a note for you in uh, in the box there. Unfortunately, I missed you at the museum. What a great museum. Folks, if you're ever near or around Portland, Maine, this was unbelievable. I mean, Bill, we've done over 100 episodes with a different cryptid every week. I saw like just about every cryptid we've, we've covered in a sketch or a model or a sculpture in Lauren's museum. What's the name? That was the coolest what, thing. What's the name of his uh, museum, Kev? The International Cryptozoology Museum. Wow. Yeah, it's multiple floors, it's large, it's really well done, really colorful and entertaining. I mean, fantastic. It's unbelievable. Was there a crowd there? Or? There was a good number of people there, you know, 10 bucks to get in. And, uh, I mean, you could have spent eight hours in there, no problem. That's unbelievable. Everything. That's, that's saying a yeah. lot, you know. Eight hours. Of no, just- and he had a bunch of uh, Bigfoot castings, you know, photos with Dr. Meldrow. You know, I mean, just crazy. Like er- everything that you could imagine was there, including like uh, uh, a giant uh, Bigfoot, you know, realistic looking Bigfoot. Uh, I took my picture in front of it. It was one of the few places you were allowed to use your camera. And he even had the uh, uh, creature from the Black Lagoon uh, (laughs) there. You could take your picture with the creature from the Black Lagoon. And I'm not talking about cardboard cutouts, folks. I'm talking like, you know, a 10-foot tall hairy man. Wow. Um, Yeah. Yeah, like the one Dr. Meldrum has in his... uh college studio or wherever that is exactly exactly Uh, and i'm sure this is one of the famous models because everything in this place everything in lauren's museum was famous bill wow so so he had this thing and there was a model there and sketch and stuff of this dover demon and i was like what the heck is that yeah so i started reading about it and then did some more research when i got home So this thing uh, is a creature that was sighted in the town of Dover, Massachusetts. Okay. So that's, and and I think Lauren actually coined the name Dover Demon. So it's pretty cool. He studied it quite extensively. Mm -hmm. And it was seen over a two-day period on April 21st and 22nd in 1977. And Dover, Mass. is just southwest of the greater Boston area of Massachusetts. Mm. Right? Yeah, yeah. And and during this first sighting, so 17-year-old, and, it, and it's uh, basically four teenagers saw it, and they were, two of them were together, but the other two were separate. So, so three different sightings involving four people. Okay. 
So uh, this 17-year-old, Bill Bartlett, he was driving on April 21st, 1977, and he saw a large-eyed creature with tendril-like fingers and glowing eyes on top of basically a uh, field stone wall on Farm Street in Dover, Massachusetts. Jeez. So picture like uh, something crawling along on all fours with this huge kind of egg-like head, a body, you know, just like nothing to it, no tail or anything like that, no fur, and these big glowing eyes. You know, definitely alien-like looking creature or demon-like looking creature. Boy, oh boy. what size? Did they give any dimensions? You know, they didn't say, I'm looking here, they didn't say, but I was guessing it was like the size of a dog or something like that. Wow. Big dog. Wow. Yeah. That is freaking nasty. Very strange looking. And he has a sketch of it uh, that Bill submitted right back then of the Dover Demon. And uh, on it, he, he wrote, like, I swear on a stack of Bibles that... I saw this thing tonight, and this is what it looked like. <laughs> so what happened? He, he saw it on top of this wall, and then uh, yep. what occurred after that? Anything? Then it disappeared, you know, and he reported it, right, um, to the authorities and that, that he saw this thing. And then um, um, 15-year-old John Baxter reported seeing a similar creature on Miller Road that same evening. And then the next night, at around midnight, Abby Brabham, who was 15, was driving home with her boyfriend when they spotted the creature sitting upright on Springdale Avenue. So these three different streets all around uh, Dover. All at night? All at night. Jeez. And three different kids don't know each other. You know, yeah, no social media back then, so it wasn't like one put it on Facebook or something like that. No cell phones. Right. It's 1977. Now, do we know if uh, any reports or anything were made known of it, giving the other two after the first one or some type of advance notice? No. No, nothing like that. So that's you know, it wasn't on the news. You know, nothing happened back then in less than twenty four hours. Yeah, I, I mean, I, let's face it. I'm just it's just the way my head works about these things. Yeah, no, know. me too. Me too. You know, you got to look back at the date though, and you're like, 1977 in a little town in Massachusetts. Nah. Yeah, yeah. Th- there's no doubt about it. Even around here in '77, the only thing that got on the news uh, was something they deemed, you know, earth shaking. Uh, And some local stuff, but I I doubt even then. I mean, look, we can't even get a picture of a UFO on the news. Forget about, uh, you know, some (laughs) gnarly looking little demon sitting on a wall, you know. Exactly. Uh, Exactly. Now, what's interesting is the police back then, they told the Associated Press that the creatures reported by the teenagers were probably nothing more than like a school vacation hoax. Yeah, or a bear. (laughs) Or a bear. (laughs) Could be a bear. (laughs) You know, be a bigfoot with the mange. Yeah, you know how those big uh, bears are with the long, tenderly-like fingers. Oh yeah, Yeah, and the big (laughs) egg-shaped head, glowing eyes, glowing eyes. I see a lot of bears that look like that. Yeah, yeah. Not. <laughs> oh my goodness. So where did this end? The three sightings and then uh Yeah, so it's pretty interesting. So so um the Boston Globe, mm-hmm. right? Uh famous newspaper in Boston, they went back and talked to uh Bill Bartlett in and wrote an article about the Dover Demon and some of the investigations since then. And they did this in uh two thousand and six. So many years later. Yeah. They went and did an article. And it's interesting. Um, Bill uh, wrote, he said, in a lot of ways, it's kind of embarrassing to me, said Bartlett. I definitely saw something. It was definitely weird. I didn't make it up. But sometimes I wish I did make it up. 
Huh. Right. So he's, he's kind of embarrassed by it. And get this. So this guy, Bill, is a painter and a pretty accomplished painter, artist. OK. Um, painting canvas, not houses. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he's made a career at being a painter. His work is displayed in galleries on both coasts. But in the article, they say if you do a Google search on Bill Bartlett, invariably it turn up, turns up with his teenage encounter with the unknown. Wow. So he's kind of embarrassed by it. Yeah, like he can't shake it, you know? Exactly. But it, it gets to the point, Bill, of obviously of so many people see things and they don't want to be associated with it. Right. Because it changes their life, but not for the better, just in a weird way. Right. right? So here's a guy that's an accomplished artist that probably wishes if you Googled his name, some of his paintings or studio work would show up. And instead, exactly every time you type in his name, there's a picture of this little demon on a fence. And, uh, exactly. you know, nothing about and his paintings. So get this. He, he, and he says that once his wife was browsing the horror section of a bookstore and flipped open an encyclopedia of monsters, like you and I would do, Bill. And uh, and there was an entry right in front of her about about her husband as a teenager and the Dover Demon. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Kev, I feel for Bill because first of all, we both have the same name. But uh, of course. I, I've experienced a similar thing myself. You know, uh, as you know, I'm an accomplished ballroom dance instructor, <laughs> and. Uh, you know, when people Google my name, all they come up with is all this Bigfoot stuff. They don't. They know nothing about my Fred Astaire-like skills. Uh, but do they know that you're a ballroom dancer <laughs> with Bigfoot? <laughs> or would that be Big Feet? Well, yeah, yeah, with Big Feet. <laughs> <laughs> Stop stepping on my feet. <laughs> No, really, folks, I'm, so, not, I'm not an accomplished ballroom dancer, so don't be writing into me about that. <laughs> and don't be complaining to Google that he's not showing up high enough in the search. Yeah, yeah. But uh, so get this, Bill. Now, if we turn back the hands of time from uh -huh. 1977 to 1914 in the town history, right? Um, someone named Frank Smith in uh, a publication called Dover Farms writes of Farm Street, where this demon was seen, as the following. In the early times, this road went around by the picturesque Polka Rock, which was called for a man by that name of whom it is remembered. That amid the superstitions of the age, he thought he saw his satanic majesty as he was riding on horseback by this secluded spot. Wow. So I know I know that English is hard to follow. It's just, you know, old English. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But basically, you know, in a 1914 publication of the town, there 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 was a recording of someone who saw his satanic majesty, right? Obviously some kind of demon right by this rock in Dover. And um and then it says the location Get this, Bill, you're going to love this. The location has long been looked upon as one in which treasures are hidden, but why anyone should go so far inland to hide treasures has never been told. However, there has been at times unmistakable evidence of considerable digging in the immediate vicinity of this rock and bad things happening. Wow. Isn't that something, huh? Strange, now, right? Now, did they mention what uh, what kind of bad things? Nope. Just talk about that. Yeah. But then uh, Lauren Coleman comes up, right, who has the museum and is a well-known cryptozoologist, researcher, and author. Um, he says uh, about this area, he says, in the same area, you had three major legends going on. Citing the apparition of the devil that was met that I just mentioned, right? The tales of buried treasure and the Dover demon. Huh. And he says, I, I think it certainly says something. It's almost as if there are certain areas that collect sightings almost in a magnetic way. Yeah, and it also seems like uh, polka, 
uh, had a sighting of what he believed was the devil himself. Exactly, and then devil this, on horseback. Yeah. Oh, he, he saw the devil on horseback. I thought he yes, was on yes. horseback. No, devil on horseback. Wow. So. Yeah. yeah. So, and then this uh, this obvious demon, uh, aptly named the Dover Demon. It seems like they're for some reason uh, covering this area. There must have been something else going on there in years gone by. Uh, that they are so closely associated with this rock and or this little town. Yeah, I mean, who knows what happened at the rock? Like, what kind of bad things might have happened in historic times, right? Well, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't take much to imprint an area. I mm. mean, that's, that, that's, in my opinion, all right, my opinion, W.J. Sheehan, it doesn't take much to imprint an area with that type of stuff. I mean, it can be cleaned up, but uh, it doesn't take a whole lot for something to be, uh, I mean, just look at something like a, a voodoo doll or one of these. I, uh, I don't really want to look at a yeah, voodoo doll. Yeah, neither do I, but, you know. If you have somebody with the wrong inclination uh, passing on one of them to somebody, you know, there's, there's a lot that can go on uh, uh, with areas or objects or uh, locations, uh, properties, houses, you know. Uh, so it doesn't surprise me. It doesn't surprise me at all. Very cool. Yeah. So that's the Dover Demon, Bill. Yeah. And by the way, any of you listeners out there, including Eric, um, if you run into Lauren sometime at the museum, let him know. I would love to interview him on the podcast just to promote his museum because uh, he could do a much better job of promoting it than I could. But I will definitely be back there. It was super cool. And I encourage all of you to go there and check it out. Yeah, and uh, give the address again, Kev, where he's at. Do you know the physical? I don't know the physical address, but it's in Portland, Maine. Mm -hmm. And he has a website uh, called laurencoleman.com. And it's L-O-R-E-N-C-O-L-E-M-A-N. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm glad you had a good time going up there looking around. Uh, I was really hopeful that you guys were going to be stomping around in the woods and run across some prints or something. But, you know, with all of the uh, COVID-related stuff and a lot of people being out there to get outdoors, uh, after I heard that, I wasn't too hopeful, you know? Yeah, but it was super cool. Always good to get out in the woods. And uh, I did see the giant hairy man, but he was in the museum. <laughs> And I could have got some castings of footprint, but I would have had to have stolen them from the museum. So (laughs) I didn't want to do that. I got one. (laughs) Bill, look at his print. Like like Jerry in that Seinfeld episode. Give me my rye bread. (laughs) Come back here. That's my rye. (laughs) Oh, that stuff was nuts, man. Uh, yeah, so I got something pretty cool here, Kev. Uh, I mean, all of these encounters and sightings are, are cool, but this is uh, this is pretty neat. And it uh, was told to me by a fellow named Stephen Grimshaw, a resident of, yet again, Saskatchewan, Canada. Here is what Stephen and a group of fishermen saw on September 3rd 1976. Me and six other men were fishing the banks of the Beaver River, just north of Wrenchman Butte, for Arctic grayling. The sky was clear. The weather was outstanding on that day. In fact, so nice a day was it that all of us were fishing with our jackets off, wearing just our shirts and trousers. I didn't know any of the men with whom I found myself fishing that day. Each one of us had found a nice flat boulder to stand on, from which we could cast into the main channel of the river. 
On either side of the river where we were, extending out some 100 yards from each shore, the shallows were strewn with small glacial boulders. You could basically hopscotch your way from rock to rock until you found one where you were in position to cast into the channel. The view of the opposite side was that of a sloping hill with an elevation of perhaps 100 feet. Covered in tall grass and sporadic clusters of varying vegetation. There was more tall grass than anything else, and the reason for my mentioning this will become apparent in a moment. Now, folks, I have to stop here for a minute because this specific layout I have heard about probably two, three, four, five times uh, as being the habitat or the place where a Bigfoot frequents. And I'm just pointing that out because I've always said, find the water and you'll find the Bigfoot. And it just seems to me an outstanding kind of fact that fishermen, particularly river fishermen and lake fishermen, seem to have an inordinate amount of sightings of Bigfoot. Now, let me just continue here. The six of us were spaced out fairly close together, maybe spanning 75 feet in total, each standing on our own rock, so to speak. I would estimate the total width of the river to be about 400 yards, give or take, and from the opposite bank to the top of the hill that we were looking at was perhaps another 300 yards beyond the river's bank. I had been fishing for about two hours. The other gentlemen all arrived sometime before me. I was looking upstream and being the furthest man to the right of the group, I could see all of the other men who were to the left of me. One of the fellas reached down and placed his rod by his feet on the rock. When he did this, I thought he was either taking a break for casting or having a cigarette neither of which happened to be true. He was actually reaching into a pouch he had on his belt, withdrawing a pair of small folding binoculars. I could see he was focusing them on something on the other side of the river. When suddenly he broke out rather loudly, Hey, you guys, you're not going to believe this, but I'm looking at a Bigfoot walking on that hill over there. He took the binoculars down and turned to his left and right, making sure that we all heard him. I heard him loud and clear, but I still said to him, what are you looking at? He said, look over there to the left. Do you see that dark thing walking along the slope? It's a damn Sasquatch. Now, there was another rock that was closer to him, but too far away for me to jump. So I actually climbed down into the water and waded over to it, wanting to get a closer look at what he was seeing. When I got up on the rock, he passed me his binoculars, and I zeroed in on the figure. It was a tall, black, fur-covered animal walking on two feet, making its way steadily along the hill. He asked me, do you see it now? I said, yeah, but what did you call it? He said, it's a Sasquatch. That's an Indian name for a Bigfoot. Haven't you ever heard of it? He said to me that that sucker must weigh a thousand pounds, and I was in agreement with him. Even with these tiny binoculars, I could see it was a large, lumbering beast, swinging its arms steady and slowly, and these arms were hanging at or below its knees. This creature, this Bigfoot Sasquatch, was also covering a serious amount of real estate walking. Over the course of what may have been no more than five minutes, it had walked what appeared to be close to three-quarters of a mile, disappearing into the trees. All of us stopped fishing and were jabber-jawing over what we had seen. The fellow who used the word Sasquatch actually knew quite about them.
including Indian folklore and everything else you can imagine. I left the river a short while later, but what I saw that day has never left me. Pretty, Very cool, Bill. Pretty interesting, right, Kev? Yeah, so what what do you think those main ingredients are for the Sasquatch siding? Definitely uh, some water, right? Like it always, most of the sidings are always around either a swamp, a river, a lake, a pond, right? Right, and lots of times we don't hear about the water. But I guarantee you there is water somewhere, uh, even if it's a couple of miles away. Let's face it, these things can walk. Oh, yeah, but I mean, a lot of the accounts are along, like, waterways, the swampy waterway, you know. Yeah. Or the lake or the river. And, and as you said, so many of the accounts are from fishermen. You know, of course, they're outdoors a lot. They're observant, you know, especially fly fishermen, right? They're... They're keen on everything that's going on around them with the hatchings that are going on on the water yep. at that point in time, the weather, the reflections, everything. Right. And, uh, I mean, you see them, the tall grass. I know uh, when I'm, whenever I'm out hiking and I'm walking along in the grass that's four or five feet tall, I'm thinking, oh, what kind of creature might be hiding in here? Really anything, Kev, you know? Oh, I know, yeah. I yeah. mean, you think about all the folks uh, down in the southern area of the country now with these giant feral hogs around. You could have mm. a freaking 600-pound hog standing in four-foot grass, and you wouldn't know it. I mean, so, that'd you know. Be a big, that'd be a big hog, a lot of bacon sandwiches. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and who doesn't like bacon? <laughs> <laughs> They'd be lying. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, no, that's true. Uh, and the fishermen, again, are generally quiet, uh, standing fairly much. You know, nobody makes a lot of noise when they're fishing unless they don't know what they're doing. Uh, everybody's not, just kind of Or at least, or at least they may make a lot of noise when they're fishing, but they won't make a lot of noise if they're catching. <laughs> 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 yeah, interesting, though. You know, I mean... You, you can't blame the book. First of all, they need water, too. Second of all, yeah. like any other place on the planet, if you find the water, the predators know other animals are going to go to the water eventually, and they hang around there, right? That's a good place exactly. to get a meal. Even if the, even if the food isn't like uh, fish, you know, salmon and stuff like that in the water, the food is going to be the, the other animals that come and drink at the watering hole. That's right. So yeah, why absolutely why waste your time running around out in a field chasing something when maybe you could sneak up on it at uh, dusk or uh, or uh, daybreak and get the jump on it uh, feeding or drinking in the water? You know, a lot of remember that story we had up in Maine where the the husband and wife at daybreak were paddling in that canoe and they saw that cow moose eating the the grass or the the greenery on the bottom of that lake in the shallows and that Bigfoot got the jump on it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. that was pretty creepy. And uh, yeah. that wasn't the first time I heard of that, you know? No, and for example, that's where you see the moose all the time. No you doubt. Know, up in New England where I was, they're wading along in that marsh. They're eating all of that vegetation. That's right. That's growing in the marsh. Yeah, that's their. That's one of their like. That's like a salad bar for them. Exactly, and watch out, moose! If you smell something really stank and it taps you on the shoulder, <laughs> it's probably too late. <laughs> yeah, it's probably too late, Mister Moose. Yeah, Moosey, Moosey. Uh, do you remember uh, Captain Kangaroo with Mister Moose? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> stuff was... I, I thought you were going to ask me if I remember Bullwinkle and Rocket J. Squirrel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's another moose. <laughs> Boris Badenoff and Natasha. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I get you, moose and squirrel. <laughs> remember, Boris used to talk to the narrator. Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah. The, I do, the cartoonist yeah. made Boris talk to the guy who was like narrating the story. And I remember Boris 
talking to the narrator, and he says, this is unfair. And the narrator says to him, what do you want, top billing? TV villains never get top billing. So then he starts arguing. <laughs> you, re- you remember his last name, right? Yeah, bad enough. Exactly. Chorus, bad enough. <laughs> so he says, uh, he says, do you want top billing or you want to change the plot? He says to him, I climb up second story of building, drop safe on unsuspecting squirrel, run down to take a look. Who gets hit? Me. Had <laughs> 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 a cartoon character complaining to the artist about always getting the short end of the stick. <laughs> oh, they were so stupid. Goes with being the cartoon villain. Yeah, you always it, get hit with the safe for the anvil. Right. It was the same thing, right? That's the same cartoon uh, shtick that used to happen with the coyote and the roadrunner, right? Oh, yeah. He'd set the trap for the roadrunner. The roadrunner would come over and eat the food. Nothing would happen. He'd go over looking like, what did I do wrong? Wham, out a rock fell and smashed him into a pancake. <laughs> so I think we got lost there. So the environment where you find a Bigfoot or a Sasquatch is on a TV cartoon. Yeah, yeah. Vintage TV cartoon. That's it. That's it. Excellent. Bigfoot attacks the Jetsons. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> Bigfoot drives a Tesla to Mars. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that could happen. Yeah, but there's no doubt about it, Kev. These people uh, who are running around out there doing things that most people are not, uh, they're being quiet, they're hiking. Many of them are alone or with one partner, uh, typically hiking, hunting. Uh, you know, look, you do a lot of hiking, Kev. When you're out hiking, are you really jabber-jawing the whole time? Are you just kind of... no. You're kind of grinding it out, yeah. looking around. Just right? grinding it out, yeah, trying to keep up a good pace, cruising along, yeah. taking it all in. Not a lot of talking, really. Yeah, no, I wouldn't be talking a lot myself either. Yeah. And uh, then next thing you know, oh, what the heck is that, you know? And uh, so this seems to be the lay of the land. Now, of course, there's these accidental sightings, uh, roadside, driving, uh, some aerial sightings. Uh, yeah, but where well, you get the jump on a creature, but most of the time, I don't know. Did you get to see any of those? I keep asking you. Did you get to see any of the last couple of episodes of Expedition Bigfoot? I did. I did. Fantastic. So you saw that yeah. quick clip where he was riding down that street that is purported to have a lot of Bigfoot sightings on it. And he caught that split-second image of something darting across the road in front of him. Yep. That yep. was freaking, that was remarkable. Yeah, 100%. I, that was something large and upright. And whatever that was, man, was really booking it uh, across the opening from tree, you know, trees to trees over that road. Right. So. Yeah, 100%. Some people could say that was staged. I don't think so. You know, I'm not buying into that staging thing. Well, and you know, not necessarily staged, but they certainly leave that stuff as the cliffhanger right at the end of the season to get you back. You know, no doubt about that. The editing, but it doesn't mean it's fake. Yeah. Yeah. (coughs) Well, I mean, that's very cool. That's just good work on their part, though, right? I mean, if you do, oh yeah, any person doing a show, uh, even if you're listening to radio. They'll always hold uh, somebody at a certain point when they go to commercial. Oh, yeah. You know, to get yeah. you to come back, you know. And I can't fault yeah. them for that. That's just the way. And the winner is? Yeah. We'll know right after this commercial. <laughs> hey, you know what, Kev? I'm feeling, uh, what's the word? I'm feeling rather beneficent today. How's that for a word, huh? Uh-oh, beneficent. Yeah. So, what do you say? Does that mean you're going to give something away? Yeah, let's have an autographed book giveaway. For uh, me? Uh, no. Because of my root canal? No, no. Oh. Uh, I will send you a self-addressed stamped envelope, though. If you send it to Martha, my Labrador, I promise I'll give it to her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you'll sit and read it to her. <laughs> oh, I'll definitely sit and read it to her. <laughs> So what are we going to ask our listeners to do to 
have a shot at acquiring this autographed copy. What do you mm. think? Well, we were talking about museums, Bill. How about uh, the best uh, Bigfoot or cryptid museum that they've been to and or the best uh, uh, exhibit that they've seen in said museum? Oh, okay. All right, yeah, no, that's that's pretty cool. I just wonder how many people ever have had a shot at going to such a museum. But, well, yeah. I don't know, I mean... All right, let's leave it at this. that. Yeah, let's see what they come up with. Okay, so uh, you have to write in and tell me the best cryptid or Bigfoot-related museum that you've ever been to and your favorite exhibit in that showcase, so to speak. Yeah, what made it your favorite, right? So, And, and you write in, folks, on uh, com. The contact us section. Send an email. We look at them all. That's right. And then, of course, I will announce the winner. And the winner must be listening to the follow-up podcast where I announce your name or you're out. That's right. Must be present to win. Winner must be present to win. Families and friends of uh, the producers of this show are not eligible. All right, man. So what do we got in our listener mail segment? Oh, we got some good listener mail, Bill. Joe from New York wrote in. Hey, Joey. Hey, Joey. Hey, I'll see you out back. (laughs) Joe writes, hey, guys, love the show. Never miss an episode. I've been into the Bigfoot phenomenon since I was a kid. The legend of Boggy Creek. In Search of, and the Bionic Man Meets Bigfoot, played by the great Andre the Giant, of course. <laughs> was that true? That, I don't know. I, I was going to ask you. I never saw that. Yeah. I got to Google it now. Yeah, yeah. But certainly In Search of and The Legend of Boggy Creek, absolutely. Uh, but that does that does sound like something real with Andre the Giant, of course. But Joe writes that all of those made a lasting impact on him. And he's, he said, as a fourth grade teacher in New York State, I always try to weave in a few stories of the hairy man into class, ah. making connections to the rich stories that Native Americans have told us about the giants in the woods. Hmm. I've even taught a few after school classes on Sasquatch and other cryptids. Wow. Yeah, and he, he gives us a link to uh, some other uh, stories and some really good UFO stories that I hadn't heard about that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to key into on some future episodes. So thank you, Joe. And Joe ends it by saying, thank you for your show. Absolutely love it and can't wait to use some of WJ's audio stories in my classroom. Wow. Thanks for all you both do. Perfectly flawless show. Keep on squatching. That is excellent. Yeah. So here we have another. And I wish I was in your class, Joe, when I was in fourth grade. I mean, geez. Yeah, look. Learning I'm, about the hairy man. I'm not saying you you, you got to do a, a, a class on uh, Bigfoot, but what a good way to gain popularity amongst the students to break into something like that, even periodically. Uh, to Yeah, just grab their attention, right? Yeah, break it up a little bit, you know. Yeah, I love that Very stuff, cool. man, Joe. That's fantastic. Well, Joe, Very if, cool. if you're listening, I hope you've been to a museum and you can write in because you're going to have a shot at the uh, free autographed book. Uh-huh. That's that's cool, Kev. I really like Is that. Is that stuff. just because he's from New York or what? Uh, no, nah, I have no personal preference to where you're from. I mean, you could even be from Oregon. Oh, I knew Oregon would work its way in. Hey, did Joe say what part of New York he was from? Uh, He may have, but I don't have it here in my notes. I think I edited it out. That's all right. So I don't say his name and don't give out too much information. Yeah, no, you know the deal. Uh, But good to hear from you, Joe. Uh, What else, Kev? What else you got? Any other? uh, All right. We're we're going south now. All right. To Elijah from Alabama. Yeah. Yeah. 
And he says, me and my father, Greg, love to hunt deer. We have a hunting camp in Dallas County, Alabama. Mm -hmm. A lot of people at this hunting camp had an encounter with what I believe is a Bigfoot. And he he shares a digital news article um, that will recount some of the encounters of the men at our camp. Absolutely love what y'all are doing and keep up the good work. So I'm going to read a little bit of this account that he gave to us, Bill, that was published on January 1st, 1998. Okay. Okay. And it's by uh, Zach Glover from Alabama Fish and Game. Wow. Okay. So the title of it is pretty cool. It's called Stalked in Dallas County. Wow. In Dallas County, Alabama. So he says, a flurry of recent reports from deer hunters in Dallas County have sportsmen wondering if they are the hunters or the hunted. Hmm. And he says, the modern day legend began in 1993, where Greg first noticed the smell, which was sort of musky and strong. Then he saw something moving. By the time the shadowy figure ambled to within 15 yards of his tree stand, he'd heard it as well. Hmm. The Montgomery man wasn't at all sure of what he was seeing, but he knew he didn't want a closer look. The deer hunter even dismissed the idea of pulling out his flashlight because he didn't want the thing to know where he was. Greg was frightened as he'd ever been. Wow. Yeah, I mean, listen, man, if I'm in the tree stand and something like that's going on, you know, it reminds me of that tree stand encounter from Tennessee yeah, where the guy had the that giant. Oh, one, right? my God. But just think about it, Kev. You, you know, oh. you could have weaponry and still feel uh, weaponless. Well, yeah, you are very vulnerable in a tree stand. Right. Right. I mean, you don't know if you're going to crack off a shot. I mean, everybody likes to think they're a Superman, right? But when you get into the yep. moment and you're alone and something's sneaking around you like that, that could just freaking get the best of you right there, you know? Yep. Jeez. Exactly. Oh, my God. Exactly. Wow. See, he... So it's pretty cool. That account, you know, that account goes on and on, and uh, I think I think we'll cover it in some more details. But pretty cool. We're lots of different hunters in this town, deer hunters, uh, have had sightings of the hairy man. And they talk about it as being six feet tall, eight feet tall, hundreds of pounds, and uh, and good stank associated with it, too. Boy, oh, boy, man. I just, uh, I'm sorry. I just can't imagine being in that predicament. I mean, the fear that would jump on you. Uh, yeah. you, could, you could say what you want. I, I don't think you're just going to be there like a stone like nothing's affecting you in that situation. I'm sorry. No, I agree with you. you I know. agree with you, Bill. And uh, I'm glad to hear from somebody in and around the home of Leonard Skinner. <laughs> sweet, <laughs> sweet home, Alabama. Roll Tide. Roll Tide. That's what I'm talking about. Wow. All right. And our last letter, Bill, comes from Will in Texas. Mm-hmm. And um, he says, good evening, Bill. (laughs) Hey, Will, you forgot me. (laughs) He says, Will, from the Lone Star State. I've linked a few articles about the Autine Swamp Fang. Hmm. You ever hear of that one, Bill? Never. Me neither. We're going to check him out. Yeah, definitely. And Will writes, we've camped and hiked down there several times. Never saw anything. Heard a tree crashing sound one time with my wife and child, but I didn't think that it was a Bigfoot at the time. Just that a tree had fallen while we were hiking. Hmm. It's an interesting area and very biologically diverse. I read an article that Howard Hughes did some drilling looking for oil and diamonds around here. They found sulfuric springs and created a facility for polio patients, I believe. The Blanco River runs through it, so there's plenty of water for large animals. With the palmetto plants and bog, there's a lot of dense coverage to hide just about anything. Oh, yeah. Kind of gets to what you were talking about, right, Bill? There you go again. 
It's just yeah, the same type of setting. These gigantic habitats are everywhere. Exactly. And Will talks about the fact that he went by a local coffee house and saw a weird drawing behind the counter. And when he asked the barista, you know, that person that makes the coffee, uh-huh. what it was, she said, <laughs> that's the Plum Creek Monster. Apparently, there was some local legend here in Lockhart, Texas, but I can't find anything without having to pay for some old newspaper archive. Huh. This stuff is probably happening everywhere. Wow. Since thanks for doing what you do, Will in Texas. Yeah, that, uh, you know, there you go yet again, Kev. Uh, I don't care if you want to call it folklore, innuendo, a drawing behind yeah. the counter. Yeah. There's just stuff out there where if you dig and scratch, you're going to find it, you know. And if you can find the right people, uh, many of them will talk about it kind of off the record, you know. But whether they want their name to be known or not is typically the issue. But we don't care about that. I just want to know the story. I'm not here to prove it in a court of law. I'm looking to kick it around and uh, add to the uh, pile of evidence, you know. Exactly. And that's the key thing, adding to the pile of evidence and drawing out, you know, similarities and differences from all of these encounters, whether we're talking about cryptids and other oddities or uh, the hairy man himself. Yeah. And I I don't think most of our listeners are nitpicking uh, at what we're talking about. And if there are people that are, I mean, so be it. It's fair, fair game. You know, I mean, you could say or think whatever you want, but I mean, sometimes when we report on the witches, Bill, they are a little bit nitpicky. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know. So Especially be- when you say bad things about them. Yeah, so that's, be that's it. That's my brother says those things, not me. <laughs> so be it. <laughs> <laughs> I like- All right, Bill. Another great <laughs> episode. Uh, that's it on the listener mail front. Uh, Really good stuff, folks. Uh, Thank you for all those kind reviews you've been giving us. And if you haven't given us a five-star review lately, please give us a uh, five-star review from your favorite player. Those five-star reviews are critical for us getting new listeners. And as we get new listeners, we're able to stay on schedule and continue to improve the quality of our podcast. So thank you so much. Yeah, and folks, please go out and buy a book or two for yourself or somebody else and show a little support for the work and by the way if you should be walking in the swamp with the palmettos growing around you and your GPS fails it's getting dark very very dark you best remember one thing my friend Always carry more gun than you think you're going to need. Sleep tight.